You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. We shouldn't, as Democrats, be empowering the Republicans. President Trump was sent here to smash conventional norms. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio, broadcasting remotely today as we continue to grapple with the health response, the economic fallout from the coronavirus pandemic and the latest on the 2020 race. We're waiting for Francesca Chambers to join us on the line. She is a White House correspondent uh, for McClatchy News. And when we get uh, Francesca on the line, we will bring you so much news today, so much news today. And we'll start with what happened in the Senate. The Senate passed the virus relief bill and even now has plans for an even bigger, bigger stimulus. And so the Senate, and I'm reading from Stephen Dennis, Laura Litvin, and Billy House's reporting on the Bloomberg Terminal, the big, the big lead. The Senate cleared the second major bill responding to the coronavirus pandemic, with lawmakers rushing to follow up with an additional economic rescue package that President Donald Trump administration estimates will cost $1.3 trillion. So what essentially this does is to provide free testing for all individuals who seek a test as it relates to the coronavirus. It would also allow for there to be uh, two weeks of paid sick leave. But that's not the only thing. That's not the only economic stimulus. And I, and I can't underscore this enough. That is not the only economic stimulus that the administration is planning on. They're also planning on a $1.3 trillion plan which includes $500 billion payments, direct payments to Americans. I'm told by my executive producer, Christine Barada, that we have Francesca Chambers now on the line. Francesca, I know you've been working tirelessly reporting on this story as a White House correspondent for McClatchy. What can you tell us about what exactly the economic stimulus would do for everyday Americans? Well, that's what we're actually still trying to get details on, Kevin. They haven't exactly said what it would what it would do. But one interesting thing is this thousand dollars and how Americans would be able to use it. I was talking to Larry Kudlow, and he said that they would be able to use it on groceries, and that they would also be able to use it on things like their mortgage while they're not getting paid. It's not necessarily for people to go out and use to say go out to eat, which is definitely something that they don't want people to do. But during the briefing today, President Trump wouldn't really get into the details of how many times they plan to give Americans money, how much, at what time. 
there was a Treasury proposal today that suggested they would do it in two ways. So, I mean, when are folks going to get the money? April 8th or April 6th and May 18th? Or what are you hearing in terms of the timing? People need this cash now. Yeah, and that is what Treasury's proposal said. It wouldn't be in the month of March. It would be later on. And again, that's just a proposal from the Treasury Department. That is not necessarily what is going to happen once they get with Congress. So it could be moved up. But you're absolutely right. It wouldn't be in March. So as you play this forward in terms of how whether or not there's bipartisanship in, on, on the Capitol, in, in the Capitol, the vote in the Senate was 90 to 8. So there were eight no's. And, you know, you look at that, uh, it, it's, it's quite remarkable that, that people would, would vote against it. I mean, but are, for the most part, there's bipartisanship. Um, is there not in, in terms of trying to get stimulus through? Well, there are certain senators who are concerned about the idea that this could turn into a big bailout for businesses. And so they are opposed to that. And and as all these things take place, you have to remember, they're all being rolled into big packages, as the president has said. So perhaps you're in favor of something like giving American workers a direct check, but you might not be in favor of something else that could be a part of that, like giving the airline industry a proposed $50 billion in loans. So, uh, look, I mean, I, th- I think there's so many people, Francesca, and your reporting has just been so incredibly uh, on top of all of this. So many people are trying to figure out what exactly this means. Uh, I think everyone's kind of scratching their heads. I mean, and one of the things that I think has come up is, is that issue of a bailout in particular. And so people like Senator Elizabeth Warren, they've been urging that there be some type of fallout from this, that if, if, if companies are going to get a bailout, that they have to get some other funds. But it seems that as of now, everyone is just focused on flattening the curve. What has the administration been saying about the, 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 whether or not they're making any progress on that front? Well, as far as the bailout goes, they're refusing to say that it's a bailout. They're saying, again, that these are loans. This is money that these companies would have to pay back. They believe that as soon as the curve, as you said, is flattened, people will go back to traveling, staying in hotels and whatnot, and so that these revenues will go back up. The curve itself, you heard Deborah Burt say today that once there are more tests, you're going to see a spike because people just hadn't been getting tested before. That doesn't mean the number of cases spiked. It just means we just now know about those cases. So she warned people that for five or six days, just because you see a spike in the curve, it doesn't mean that there's some sort of tipping point that's happening. They just need to get those numbers under control. So that bears repeating. And, and folks, if you're listening, what Francesca said is so incredibly important because there's a testing site that just opened uh, in Arlington, Virginia, a drive through testing site right in our area. And there's other testing sites going up. And I would encourage everyone to visit CDC.gov to find out where precisely they can get. number of cases increase, it's because the sites have opened, right? Is that what you're saying? That's what the administration is saying today. Deborah Burks, the uh, coordinator for the coronavirus at the White House, is saying that, yes, once there are more tests, it would stand to reason that maybe people who had mild symptoms and did not realize they had the coronavirus get tested, then there will be more cases. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that that, that it's getting worse in the United States, so to speak. In terms of uh, – sorry, we're having some audio issues. We're all dealing with this in real time. Uh, in terms of what we just heard from Francesca, is the flowing of the curve will take place only after more people get tested. And so as these test sites open up, 
then that is so important. So I just want to thank everyone for bearing with us as we again deal with working remotely. And uh, I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Radio. And coming up, we're going to have much more on the economic impacts of this. And we're going to check in with Stephen Kyle. He's a professor of applied economics at Cornell University. And Chad Campbell, who's a Democratic strategist. Much more on Bloomberg 99.1. Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Joining me on the telephone now is Stephen Kyle. He's a professor of applied economics and finance at Cornell University's Dyson School of Business. Uh, Stephen, thank you so much for being here. Uh, And just to bring folks up to speed on some other headlines, because the news is moving so fast. Larry Kudlow said that General Motors has offered to make ventilators for the outbreak. Again, Larry Kudlow has said that they have said uh, that that Mary Barra, the CEO of General Motors, has offered to make hospital ventilators and auto factories that have been shuttered due to the coronavirus outbreak. In terms of the market reaction, the stock markets fell with crude on economy worries. The financial market spasm, sending U.S. stocks down more than 5%, and Bloomberg dollar index up to a record as the economic fallout from the pandemic outpaced the massive response from governments and central banks. Stephen, break us down. What did you notice today in the markets? Well, the oddest thing I thought was that both bonds and stocks went down. People were looking for cash big time and uh, were even selling bonds which is not what you usually expect to see happen. You know, as a former bond trader, I, I actually, for one, profited hugely on the Black Friday many years ago. Um, but but uh, I think that is something the Federal Reserve can deal with. If the problem is that people want cash, the Fed can do that. So I think that is something they can deal with um, in, in relatively short order. In terms of what's going on, I mean, is is the economic stimulus that lawmakers in Washington are considering and, and that are that they're doing and injecting liquidity into Americans' lives is that enough? Uh, it may well not be enough, but I think at the moment, uh, speed is of the essence. Uh, and there are really two aspects to this. One is the humanitarian, and the other is what makes a good stimulus, i.e., you know, most bang for the buck. On the humanitarian side, the people who are in trouble are those who live paycheck to paycheck or who get paid hourly and are being told to go home and, and, and not go out and socially distance or who have been laid off. Those people still need to feed themselves and their families. They still need to make rent, and they're not getting a paycheck at all. So giving them uh, a, a, a quick uh, uh jolt of help is a very good idea, and it also is a very good stimulus, because we know that all of those people will run right out and spend that money in the local economy as fast as they get it, because they live paycheck to paycheck. Longer term, we may be looking at other uh, aspects of it, but for the moment, um, that is the most important thing. Let's remember overall, we know that this coronavirus, the underlying problem, will eventually 
And we will at some point get a vaccine. We will at some point uh, be through this. And the, and the problem is to help people in the interim and to make sure that businesses we are going to want when this is over don't go down the tubes. You know, it, it really is harrowing so much of, of the developments of this. And I'm wondering if if you saw or noticed anything within the past 24 hours that gave you optimism. And if you could, if you could share it with us. Well, one thing that made me optimistic was Mitch McConnell coming around and deciding that these things need to happen right away. And he's absolutely correct about that. I think the markets want to see some uh, certainty or at least uh, some outlines of what the government is going to do. Um, And the outlines of the overall crisis will become clearer once there's been more testing. But I think the quicker the the, uh, legislature can provide some degree of certainty in the markets, the the better off they'll be. You know, I think that's really interesting. I mean, you mentioned McConnell, but based upon the conversations that I'm having and the conversations that I'm talking with, with Treasury Secretary Mnuchin, as well as Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi, they really are working round the clock to try to to make sure that folks can get the cash that they need. And, um, And I'm wondering, I mean, have you noticed more bipartisanship on this front? Well, no, I think you're absolutely right about that. But there are some members of Mr. McConnell's caucus that are causing problems. And he is seemingly cracking the whip on them today and saying, we've got to do this. And you may not like it, but it has to happen. And I'm, I'm happy to see I'm, that. I mean, it is just so remarkable to me that with all of the news and all of the developments around the world, and every citizen in every country being impacted by this, that there are still... Some people, some people who want to play politics. I mean, if that's not infuriating, I, I, I don't know what is. You know, that, that really well, is aggravating. And good on McConnell. Yes, and, and, and good on the uh, administration for taking the lead on sending people immediate help. That is not the kind of policy that comes naturally to the Republican Party. I mean, they, their natural reaction would be to cut taxes, right. which, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But it only provides help to people who still have jobs, and it isn't immediate. Um, it doesn't. All right, we're going to have to leave right it. Away. We're going to have to leave it there. Stephen Kyle, thanks so much for checking in with us, Professor of Applied Economics and Finance at Cornell University's Dyson School of Business. I'm Kevin Cirilli. More next. This is Bloomberg 99.1. You know success when you see it, or you think you do. The people in the spotlight, athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Uh, on another day, uh, as we all do, as we all 
grapple with the coronavirus. I'm, I'm actually broadcasting remotely today. Uh, we've covered the political implications of this as it relates to the Senate and Treasury Department working to bring about some economic relief, some immediate economic relief, and of course, another volatile day on the markets. There's now the political implications of a presidential election. Chad Campbell's on the line. He was with me on Bloomberg Television last night. He's the senior vice president of Strategies 360, which is a Democratic strategy firm, and he's the former minority leader in the Arizona state legislature. Uh, Chad, thanks so much for being here. There were conflicting reports about Senator Bernie Sanders and whether or not he's continuing his campaign today. What do we know? Well, I think we're all kind of in a wait-and-see mode. Uh, we saw, many of us saw the comments from his, his campaign chair last night and some of the comments this morning about the process of assessing the campaign and where it stands. But, you know, I, I don't know what pathway forward Mr. Sanders has at this point after last night's victories for Joe Biden. Uh, the math is pretty clear in terms of the delegates. So I think, you know, most of us on the Democratic side would like to see Senator Sanders get out of the race and start to let the party coalesce behind its eventual nominee. You know, I just don't see really how anything would be able to continue if you're, if you're Sanders campaign. I just don't see the path forward. I just don't see at a time in, in which there's a global crisis that this would be able to continue. I mean, what is the case that he's making to stay in the race? So the only case that, that I'm hearing, and that I think many of us are hearing, is that some of his supporters want him to remain in the race to continue talking about some of his big ticket items, some of the, the big vision items he has, and to make sure that that Joe Biden doesn't uh, ignore those items, doesn't doesn't stop talking about those issues while he's on the campaign trail. And I think that's a flawed strategy. I think again, the sooner that Sanders gets out of the race, the sooner he hopefully, you know, fingers crossed gets behind Joe Biden and starts to work with the party at large, uh, I think that actually gets more buy-in from Mr. Biden and others to incorporate some of those the bigger ideas from the Sanders campaign. Uh, the longer he stays in the race, the more contentious it'll get. And, and again, I think the more that, that both sides will dig their heels in, and that's not a good thing for the Democrats and, and something we all want to avoid. Okay. So, I mean, if you're Joe Biden, how, how does this change – how does the, I mean, everything in, in America has changed this week, but if you're Joe Biden, how do you campaign? How do you deal with this while trying to be respectful of everyone in government, including the Democrats, including Republicans? I mean, virtually every bill that's coming out is bipartisan. How do you campaign? I mean, there's just, what's the playbook? Yeah, I, I mean, first and foremost, obviously you're going to have to cancel and continue to cancel all the, the big events. This is not going to be an in-person type of campaign for the foreseeable future. Uh, it's going to be a lot of virtual town halls, a lot of, of digital interaction with, with voters. And, and I think really at this point, you know, the, Biden has the advantage of the fact that he has an insurmountable delegate lead. So the primary is now over. So he can at least begin to pivot to bringing the party together. And I think that's his focus right now is bringing the progressive side with the more moderate side, bringing them all into the Democratic tent so that when hopefully things get back to normal as we head into summer, uh, and, and fingers crossed again, the campaign starts to get back to a normal type of campaign that the full Democratic Party uh, base will behind, be behind Joe Biden and he can focus on Donald Trump and, and the general election. Uh, you know, and during that time, I think that that Mr. Biden has to talk about any potential policy differences he may or may not have with Mr. Trump around the handling of the coronavirus situation. But obviously, you don't want to politicize the efforts being made right now from both sides of the aisle 
to help stimulate the economy, to make sure that the public health is being secured. Uh, we don't want to make that a political game. I, I hope nobody wants to make that a political game. And, 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 you know, again, fingers crossed we get out of this, this situation we're in in the foreseeable future and can get back to what would be hopefully a more normal life as we're all used to, I think. Chad Campbell's on the line. He's a senior vice president at Strategies 360s, which is a Democratic strategy firm. He's the former minority leader in the Arizona state legislature. And, uh, you know, I just, I think, you know, when I was talking last night with folks, yourself included on Bloomberg TV and radio, you know, the assumption is that it will become an, this, this horrific, catastrophic, depressing pandemic will become an economic story by the summer. So it, in a way, it almost feels like the campaign is on pause. At least the public campaign is on pause. Yeah. Is it not? Yeah, I think it is in some respects. And again, I think that is that the good thing for Joe Biden is that the primary is now, for the most part, over. He kind of secured that victory last night. So that pause is not a bad thing. Uh, you know, he can, again, solidify the Democratic base and start working towards a general election vision. And I think I mentioned this last night when we were together on the show last night. Uh, you know, if there's anybody that knows how to tackle an economic recession and that's been through this before, it's Joe Biden. Uh, you know, President Obama and Vice President Biden got our country through what was one of the worst financial crises we'd seen at that point when they took office. And I think Joe Biden will make the case that he can do that again, because there is no doubt that this pandemic is going to negatively impact our economy. And in some reports are already saying this could be worse than the recession we just went through uh, on a magnitude of, of many levels, actually. And so I think Joe Biden can, can, can legitimately make the case that he's been here before, he's done this before, and we want somebody with that experience in the White House to get us out of this economic downturn that we're all going to face. Uh, it's almost certain right now at this point we're all going to be facing some type of economic hardship, and Joe Biden will want to make the case that he's the man to bring us out of that, that, uh, that situation we're going to be in. I mean, and, and just in terms of an endpoint, I mean, there is, you gotta, you got to look for the good you got to look for the good. you got to look for the good. Anthony yep. Fauci, who, of course, is the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases in the United States, he has stated repeatedly that we're about a year to a year and a half away from uh, a vaccine. So, you know, look, vaccines, they're going to come. They're already being tested. Many countries yep. are looking at this. There was just another report. China now has human uh, testing on, on a vaccine uh, out of Wuhan, which, of course, was the site of where this all started. And the United States is testing on vaccines. Uh, the Germans have a test. The Aussies have a, a test. Tell me something good you heard today, Chad. Tell me some good news. So so <laughs> bleak out there. Give me something well, good. Come I, on. You got to find something. Yeah. You know, what I would say is it actually is encouraging to see both parties come together in D.C. and start working on, on, on big solutions. Uh, without Amen. getting in the partisan fight. And that's where we should focus right now. I'm very happy to see that. Uh, I think people are coming together as Americans, and that's something we all need to remember. At the end of the day, this affects all of us, no matter if we're Democrat or Republican, independent. All of us are affected by this. We need to keep that in mind as we try to work through this together. Are you out in Arizona? Where are you based right now? Yeah, Phoenix. Yep, Phoenix, Arizona. How is Phoenix reacting to this? Are they taking it seriously in Phoenix? Because in D.C., yeah. they're taking it very seriously. Yeah, the city council is voting on some emergency measures today. Many of the suburbs have already implemented some emergency measures. Uh, the mayor declared a state of emergency yesterday and, and closed down the, the sit-down bar, sit-down coffee shops, sit-down restaurant type of situation. 
to following a lot of the national guidelines that are being released. So, and I can tell you, you know, I've been in Phoenix my whole life, 47 years here, uh, and you, you can see it. The traffic here is next to nothing. Uh, it's really people are taking it seriously. People are kind of hunkering down and only really doing essential types of activities. And, again, it's good to see most people taking this seriously, trying to work for the greater good. So that's a positive sign. I just can't understand how you could not take this seriously. I mean, what? how selfish do you have to be to not take this seriously? It, I, I can't see it. Chad, you're going to stick around because we have more to talk about. I want to talk dive more into the economic specifics of this. That's, uh, that's, that's Chad Campbell. He's the Senior Vice President at Strategies 360. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You can download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Keep taking it. Keep taking it seriously. And for all of our latest coverage on COVID-19, head over to Bloomberg.com slash coronavirus. Also go to the CDC.gov. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Bear with us, folks. I, I'm working from home just like everyone else is. And our team, Charlie Vollmer in New York, Bob Bragg in New York, uh, Christine Barada, our executive producer, working tirelessly to help produce this show. And, and they actually even just mailed some equipment down that hopefully will allow us to even sound more crystal clear in the weeks ahead as we all adjust, as we all adjust and stay positive, stay positive, folks, because we're going to get through this. It's We're going to get, we're getting through this. We, we don't have a choice but to get through this. So we're going to get through this. Uh, and joining us on the line to help us get through this is Chad Campbell, Senior Vice President of Strategies 360. He's a Democratic strategy, it's a Democratic strategy firm. He's the former minority leader in the Arizona State Legislature. All right, we were talking about, you know, some positive developments. You know, I, I, I keep going back to, to the greatest generation. Chad, you know, both of my grandfathers fought in World War II, and I, and I just keep thinking, you know what? They prepared us for this. They prepared us for this. And you go through all of these memorials in, in, in Washington, D.C., a beautiful city, and, and you see it, and, and, and you, you go through the last week, and it just puts in perspective the magnitude of this moment, the magnitude of the moment and how we all have to meet the moment. And it feels so uncomfortable to sit still. It feels so uncomfortable to stay at home because as Americans, what do we want to do? We want to run in. We want to help. We want to rush <laughs> yep. in. We want to help, Chad. And, and, and the way to help as your patriotic duty is to sit at home, to spread kindness online. Uh, and, and look, there's going to be opportunities to help. We're hearing about uh, the needs for we're hearing what, what, the, what Whole Foods is doing and all the other grocery stores are doing by, you know, adjusting their hours for the elderly and whatnot. Drive through tips, buying uh, prepaid cards. I mean, there, there are things that are emerging for folks that we, that we can all do because we all want to help. But but uh, look for that. But also, you got to be smart. What's a way that you found out, Chad, that, that folks can help that you want to share? Well, you know, again, I think you nailed a lot of it. I think first and foremost is being positive and, and keeping things in perspective. Um, when you talk about the sacrifice of, of 
previous generations to get through tough times, be it be it world wars, be it other outbreaks of other illnesses. Uh, the the amount of sacrifice, quote unquote, that we're we're having to do right now is is minuscule compared to them. Uh, you know, having to stay at home and, and work from home, and you know, I think people in previous generations would have loved to have the luxury to have worked from home, right? Uh, so I think the biggest thing you do know, is keep keep positive and remain in, in, a, in a positive state of mind. And then I think the other thing, at least here in Phoenix, and something that myself and others are, are trying to do is support those local businesses to the extent you can. Those small mom and pop shops, uh, the, the 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 businesses that don't have the corporate backing of, of chains or other larger national uh, entities, make sure you can help them out as much as possible and, and patron patronize them as much as possible uh, within whatever the restrictions are in place for your community, obviously. But they're the ones who are going to suffer the most, the owners of those businesses, the workers at those businesses. So make sure you're trying to help them out and really give them uh, the business you can, recommend others to go there and then give them business if you can, again, you know, depending on your, your local restrictions in place. But those are the people who are going to suffer the most when it's all said and done. Uh, most of those larger corporate entities will survive just fine. Uh, it, it's the service industry and the workers in that industry that, that really are going to have the tough times. So let's make sure we're helping them out as much as possible. President Trump said earlier today that his administration ordered 500 million N95 face masks to combat yep. the coronavirus uh, outbreak. This after complaints from healthcare providers of shortages. Uh, and I also mentioned this earlier in the program, but General Motors has said that that they're going to be manufacturing hospital ventilators and auto factories. So, I mean, it really is a wartime effort. I mean, you're seeing yeah. this. I mean, the uh, the, Ar- the Army Corps of Engineers has said that they are talking about plans about constructing hospitals in order to deal with the influx of patients and, and hospitals. I mean, it's a wartime effort. It's something that we really haven't seen uh, in- in domestically in, in my gen- I mean, in, in, in my generation, millennials yeah. generations, uh, and you know, that is reassuring. I mean, the reliance to see how strong America is in the private sector, our institutions are strong in terms of being able to work together, to come together, to combat this, uh, in, in a way, uh, how are, I, I saw there's a Pennsylvania distillery that is actually, uh, stopping brewing <laughs> beer uh, and they're they're actually turning it in to make hand sanitizers to help people. Yep. I mean, everyone's pitching it. I love that. That's the American spirit. You know, that's that's yeah. That's what you need. What what are you seeing in Phoenix's? I know you guys had some I mean, breweries even, out even, there. Yeah, even online today. I mean, a little another little random act of kindness, but we have a, a you know a local chef here who was posting recipes online. You know, saying hey, if, if you're going to be stuck at home, here are some of the recipes we use in our restaurant. You know, I'm happy to share these with people so you can make food while your home with your family. Uh, we're, we're seeing those types of little things that really mean a lot. And, and I think, again, when you add those up together, it means it means even more. I mean, one small act of kindness or, or outreach is going to multiply as more and more people do it. And I think to your point earlier, you know, the great thing about our country is we have the capacity uh, financially, technically, uh, we have the resources to, to convert our, our manufacturing processes to, to make things that we know we need right now and respond to emergencies. And, and like you said, this is in a lot of ways, a wartime effort. It's a different kind of war, but it's a wartime effort. So I think this is going to be a test of, of the public private partnerships. And, and really it's going to, I, I think, show us how government and private sector can work together in a good way. Uh, we've seen that in the past. And, and I think we'll see that again, hopefully. Uh, and in the long term, we're going to see once we kind of get through the initial 
uh, hard times and, and, and go past the virus part of this back into the economic side of it, that's when the true test will come, too, is how does, how does the government responsibly manage uh, bailing out the private sector entities, making sure people have jobs, making sure all these small businesses they are going to struggle uh, can open their doors up again. And that's when we're all going to need to come together again because we, we don't want this to, to ruin the next decade or the next 20 years and really, you know, take people's life savings or ruin their 401k plans. We have to make sure that both the government and the private sector are working together so that the, the everyday person out there and, again, the small business owner, uh, they they have their retirement funds and they have their health care and they have their jobs and all of this is said and done. You know, I do just want to note that uh, the New York Stock Exchange is going to close its trading floors and go fully electronic. Again, the yep. New York Stock Exchange will close its trading floors and go fully electron, electronic. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo has mandated that non-essential businesses have no more than half their workforce in office. So New York City very much tightening down, making sure that they're doing their part to save lives, to stop the spread, to flatten this curve. And, you know, I, I mean, you know, it's just the latest. I mean, uh, you got to some other key developments. There's now more than 200,000 cases worldwide. The deaths a, a, a little more than 8,000. Uh, New York gets a hospital ship from the Navy. So we mentioned the way that the private sector is mobilizing. I also want to notice all of the brave men and women in our in our nation's armed forces and our nation's reserves who you've got two Navy ships that are going to be uh, used as hospitals, which I, I think is remarkable just to see the courage that, that all of the, our, you know, yeah. once again, the courage that our brave men and women are going to be using uh, to help people get better. Chad, tell me one more positive thing before the show wraps. You've got like a minute left. Well, tell I, me one positive I, thing, Chad. Go, yeah. Going back to that point about the, the brave men and women of the service, I would also say all of the other workers that have, they don't have the luxury or the capacity to work from home, be it first responders, be it people at the utility companies, be it people who are picking up the trash. There's a lot of people out there that are going to have to go to work to make our lives continue right. to run and keep society functioning. And all of those people uh, should be applauded as heroes. And if you see them, treat them nicely. Thank them for all of the stuff they're doing for us. Because they're really going to be the ones that keep the, the machines of, of civilization kind of running for the next few weeks, if not longer. All right, Chad Campbell, thank you very much. I'm Kevin Cirilli. Stay positive. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.